Did you need a musical about Kamala Harris? Kristen Chenoweth has you covered. Cardi B is spending how much on COVID testing? And we are talking with Lizzie Talbot, Bridgerton's intimacy coordinator, about all those seamy scenes. It's January 28th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Casey, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to everyone that reached out about my skunk gate situation. (laughs) Um, The emojis that I got, which I didn't know there were skunk emojis, were really heartwarming. The DMs, everything. I appreciate it. The smell is going away. My car still smells, but we're going to get through it. It's fine. One, I'm really happy for you, too. Man, I felt, I hate how stupid this is, but I've been thinking for the past 24 hours about how stunk and skunk are like the same. And did skunk happen because of stunk, vice versa? Is this a chicken like, egg situation? I haven't Googled it yet, but I know it's really stupid, but this is what's been going on in my brain. I, I bet there is an etymological root there. <laughs> so we will look into that. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's start with this lovely little TikTok from Kristen Chenoweth, a.k.a. Glinda from Oz, singing all about the one and only Kamala Harris. Because Kamala, she's good for America and popular as she was. Well, now Kamala's popularity will grow because we know how much she's got to be helping Joe. After all, there is nobody astuter when she was a prosecutor. Tough but fair, she really found her niche. This is the first part in a two-part song that Chetowith made on TikTok about the Veep, and she gives a nod to Doug Emhoff, Michelle Obama, and Joe throughout the two songs. And I just personally love it because I also love anyone who's just like dragging people who can't say Kamala's name correctly. It's amazing. It's really, really easy. You know, we learned how to say all these other names that are mostly (laughs) Anglo-Saxon. You can learn Kamala. It's very easy. But I also want to know that this week we're seeing the cultural power of uh, Vice President Harris. If you look at the New York Times bestseller list for kids books, specifically picture books, half of them have to do with her. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's so cool. It's incredible. So we are seeing, you know, representation matters. People get excited. They want to see themselves and people want to see people that don't look like themselves and see them getting celebrated for once. So thank you, Kristen Chenoweth, for, you know, perpetuating this this little trend. Omar, wait, speaking of which, I saw today on my favorite Instagram account, uh, Gabrielle Unions. Obviously. That her and Dwayne are making a book about their daughter. And it is so good because her daughter has taken the world by storm. <laughs> she really has. And we we love to see it. And for those that don't know, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union are very supportive of their daughter who came out as trans last year. And we love, love to see it. So, so anyway, moving on to something maybe you love to see, maybe you don't love to see. We need to talk about how Cardi B is spending a lot of money on COVID testing. The rapper posted a tweet that stated, quote, I get COVID tested about four times a week. My glam and management got to get tested as well. Every time we get tested is about $250 each. This is seriously a new business. And if we're assuming that each person's test costs Cardi $250, that shakes out to around $1,000 per week in order to get tested. She also noted that her crew uses private testing services at her house instead of going to an office and that she covers the cost of everything. I mean, this is just the world we live in. So, you know, whatever. If that's what it takes to continue to do what you're doing in a safe way, then that's what it takes. Yeah. 
And what I loved about her tweet thread about it was that she was like, I'm not trying to brag here. I'm trying to give you insight to what business owners are going through, that folks who do need people on set or on production sites, they have to pay for their testing. And that that is not subsidized by the government, which is creating really interesting economic pressures on small businesses. Cardi B is technically, I guess, a small business. No, she's not. She's a large (laughs) business. That's a big business there. But she's just trying to show that like our healthcare system, like, it's just only monetizing how we're getting access to care and it's not okay. And it falls on to these people like her to kind of make sure it happens. So anyway, there we go. Cardi B is a new healthcare network, I guess. <laughs> she is. And unfortunately, that's how the U.S. works. <laughs> so, okay, I'm very happy that we're returning to one of our favorite topics on this show, Bridgerton. We know we're going to get a season two. We have no idea what it's going to be about, although, you know, there are books. So if you read them, I'm sure you guys have some clue. But we do know if it's anything like the first season, there's going to be a lot of sex. The steamy sex scenes are some of the most talked about moments from the show, and they were all choreographed by an intimacy coordinator. So in the wake of the Me Too movement, it's becoming more and more common for actors to collaborate with a coordinator prior to filming on set. Today, we're talking with Bridgerton's intimacy coordinator, Lizzie Talbot, about both the show and the positive changes she's seeing in the film industry. Hi, Lizzie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course. We're so excited. So we know your most recent project was Bridgerton, and we have so many questions about that. We will get to them all. But first, how did you become an intimacy coordinator? How did that even start? Yeah, so uh, I trained as a fight director for quite Ah. a few years. And um, it was really interesting seeing the contrast between um, scenes of violence and then scenes of intimacy. And when they came together in scenes of domestic violence, it was really interesting because we never had any issues with the violence because there are so many safety protocols and um, techniques that we would use to make that safe um, and, and believable. And yet when it came to the intimacy, like that's when sort of everyone started to, to struggle, like directors would, would mime things um, because they didn't want to talk about it. And uh, people were resting on the good graces of their scene partners, which we know isn't like always the safest thing to do. Um, so I just started researching it. And um, in 2016, I opened my own company and uh, kind of gone from there. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So was this a field that even existed before you began working on it? How long has it been around for? Not very long. Some people have done like individual research on this, but it hasn't come together as a role uh, until sort of like 2017, 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of people think that it's a product of the the very public Me Too movement of 2017, but actually like lots of people were working on this beforehand. We just didn't get any traction. yeah i ran a workshop in 2016 and got one person so so that'll tell you like how much this has escalated in the last couple of years and why do you think it is escalating because i do know that we every time we have any actor on the show now they always bring up an intimacy coordinator and this was never happening years ago i think studios sort of they really took on what was happening with the Me Too movement. And I know it's it's not perfect. We've still got a long way to go, but they started to listen and they started to listen to actors who had said, you know, for years that they felt unsafe or um, have just started to be able to voice those concerns. And those concerns were then taken seriously. And, you know, they were looking for a, for a solution to that. 
And it was really great because this was something that we had already been working on. And so take us back to like pre-2016. You're on set. What were those conversations like that you saw happening around these intimate scenes? Were they as awkward as I'd imagine them to be between the actors and the director? I mean, I think intimacy scenes have always sort of had an element of, of awkwardness to them. And I think part of it is because there wasn't a lot of work done to separate personal and professional. And I think that a lot of that comes from actor training, you know, where actors were being told for years to, you know, be as open as possible, be as available as possible, be as vulnerable as possible. You should have no boundaries. You should be able to do anything and everything. And of course, as an actor, you know that if you don't do that, someone else who wants the part right behind you is going to. So there's a huge amount of pressure to do whatever people are asking you to do without much thought of what's happening inside your own body, what's happening with your emotions and what's happening with your mental health. Yeah. And you know, so much of what I imagine is going through an actor's head is that like, I'm supposed to be like giving myself up to a scene. I'm an artist. I'm supposed to do whatever I want. And they don't think they can have boundaries in that space. But what you're saying is that, no, you should have boundaries. So what have you been hearing from actors now that they have people like you advocating for them? Are they feeling like their scenes are maybe even better because they have boundaries? Yeah. And I think we're also, you know, at heart, we're also choreographers. That's what our role is. We're there to help choreograph sex scenes and i think that there's been sort of like um like a misperception here about the fact that we like lots of us experience intimacy in our personal lives means that we can recreate that for an audience but that's two very different things and i think you know experiencing it in your personal life versus um storytelling it for an audience like it's it's just so it's just so different and I think, you know, one of the things that we are here to do is to create choreography so that we are telling that story as dynamically and, and accurately as, as possible. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're grilling Lizzie on the filming of those notorious Bridgerton sex scenes. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says, you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. Whoa. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was, I, I, I tossed that one out. Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The NFL playoffs are here, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. You can follow the action like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Six podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us bring knowledge from careers as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. After the Super Bowl, it's draft season. If you want to go in-depth on this year's prospects and learn what makes the top players stand out, there's no better podcast than Move the Sticks. We'll break down film from the professional and college games so you can know which player to look out for when the football season returns next fall. You'll learn a ton about the NFL, and I promise we'll make it fun along the way. We'll have several new episodes dropping each week, and you don't want to miss a single one. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Lizzie Talbot, the intimacy coordinator on the set of Bridgerton. All right, so Lizzie, describe what went into filming Bridgerton. How much prep work was for these scenes, like a single scene? How much time did you put into planning them? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Full credit to Shondaland, they gave us that, which is amazing. Um, We had weeks before filming where we would break down every single scene um, into separate choreographed moments um, and really did a lot of table work around this. And so it was great to actually have that time. So we weren't just turning up on set and going, well, I don't know, we'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> no, we knew exactly what was happening at like all the time, which was so great. How did those creative meetings work? Like how, and not to be crass, I guess. It's like, okay, we have, they're going to have sex. So who's like planning the type of sex? How is that even negotiated? <laughs> <laughs> so that is... Um, worked out between like uh, the director, myself and the actors, like we're all having that conversation. It's really important to understand what the director's creative vision is, because that's really what my role is there to serve as well. Um, You know, I want to be able to give the director what they want in the safest possible way. And so like, that's what really my role becomes um, is like a, a, like a choreographer, a collaborator, Um, And also like down to the, like the less interesting and less exciting paperwork side of this, you know, we've got to work together to make sure that we have got the nudity riders signed in advance to make sure that everyone's safe and that we know what we're doing on the day. Mm -hmm. And I know Phoebe, the main actress in the the work, she said that the first scene she shot for Bridgerton was actually a steamy sex scene, uh, her first day on set. So talk to us about that. The library scene. The library scene. That was the first day. So how did you prepare for that, especially that being your first day at work? Because my first day of this job with Casey was not something like the library (laughs) scene. Let me tell you that. So uh, I developed like a uh, like a signaling system with Phoebe and Reggae that I knew that they were good to go. And so when we had that first scene, we tapped in, we did that signaling system. Uh, I knew that they were absolute pros at that point, and they knew that they were what they were going to do. The fun thing about that scene was not only was it the first one, uh, but it was also done at the Reform Club in London, which was mm. a gentleman's club for years and has only let women in since 1980, 1981. Wow. So it felt super cheeky to be doing like <laughs> a scene of female sexual pleasure in a gentleman's club. And I was like, at that point, Oh, I see you, Shonda. <laughs> uh, the power, the power yeah. of that scene. I see where this cheekiness is going for the next nine months. So that really set the tone, which was fun. 
Wow, that's amazing. So, okay, we have to talk about the three-minute sex montage from Bridgerton. It's one of the biggest talking points around the series. Was this one of the most ambitious undertakings for you as an intimacy coordinator? Because, honestly, it seems just as ambitious choreography-wise as a fight scene in a Marvel movie. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, you know, we were we were up ladders, we were outside, we were inside, we were in the rain, we were in beds, we were in the Temple of the Four Winds. We were everywhere. We were by lake. Yeah, it was a bit of an intimacy circus. When I read the script, I, I was sort of reading it down. I was like, okay, so there's an intimacy scene there. Oh, and there. Oh, and, th- and there as well. Oh, and, and oh, it's still going. And I remember reading the script going wow, we are going to be busy. And that's not what you expect from a Regency show. When I first was emailed about this show, I was expecting something akin to like Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. You know, there might be, you know, like a momentary passionate kiss, um, you know, potentially something that insinuated intimacy. Mm -hmm. But in no way did I think that we would be doing oral sex <laughs> up a ladder in the middle of the I mean, there should be the Olympics of what you coordinated there because, baby, <laughs> let me tell you, I was exhausted. I had to get some water. I was just thinking, I was like, how the hell did they even think of all of this? Like, I mm. have never looked at a library ladder and thought, ooh, yes, oral sex. That's where that's happening. <laughs> No, Chris Van Dusen, he's a genius. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, you bring up Jane Austen. And whenever I hear the name Jane Austen, I think of the one and only Kira Knightley. And she recently came forward and said she won't shoot any more sex scenes with any male directors, which I thought was so fascinating. So what are your thoughts about this? Like, do you think this is a, a direction maybe in the right way? Or, or how do you think how these actors are handling these situations now? Um, I think... It certainly changed with the introduction of intimacy coordinators. Because, for example, Phoebe does a a very complex and, and difficult scene where she's doing a solo scene of Daphne's first masturbation experience. And she actually had a male director for that scene. But one of the really great things was that I really believe that he understood like what the sensitivities around that scene were. And, you know, I collaborated with, with Phoebe, you know, in detail, in depth um, for that scene to make sure that um, she felt ownership of it. Um, and I think that's a really important experience for an actor. And, you know, I have never been in the situation that Phoebe was in, but I think like as a woman, it would just, I'd have such a relief to know that like you were there, another woman was there in between me and a male director to just be like, we're in this together. I've got you. So I real, I do. I think I would need that. Yeah. And, you know, I spent a lot of time with Phoebe by that point. You know, we've done, I think, yeah, that was episode three. We actually shot all of Castle Howard in the first month or two. So that's the entire Taylor Swift montage was done and completed um, by like, the end of August, maybe. Okay, and well, that explains why they had such great chemistry the entire <laughs> show, because they set it off with, you know, having literal <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> right. And so by the time that we got to um, that particular scene, you know, we knew each other pretty well at that point. 
um, she knew that she could come to me with anything that she needed. And, you know, we, we worked together, but it was incredibly brave of Phoebe to take that scene on because you're not working with anyone else, you know, with, with other intimacy scenes, you've got a partner to sort of like bounce ideas off to, to collaborate with, to create choreography with. Um, but on that scene, you know, you're, you're on your own and, uh, you know, there's, there's no one, there's no one else in bed with you. Uh, so it was an incredibly brave and, and very vulnerable thing that, that Phoebe took on. So I have so much respect for her. I mean, I have so much respect for her. I'm, I'm upping my cardio these days to be at her level, to be honest. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, before this, I told you, uh, Lizzie, that I called my best friend and said that you were coming on and she was super, super excited. And, you know, the reason why I did that is because so many people are loving these sex scenes so, so, so much. So what's work like for you now? Are you getting people banging down your door asking you to coordinate their, their movies these days in TV shows? It's certainly picked up. Um, I think because of COVID, uh, there's so many um, more sort of like hurdles to jump at this time. I've been really interested to see if we hadn't have had lockdown, what it would look like. I know that a lot of people are delaying intimacy scenes at the moment till much further on down the line. And I think the the interesting thing is, is that I don't really believe that any of the, the cast or crew knew how massive uh, it was going to be. Um, one of the really interesting things is we knew that we had a really solid Brazilian fan base, which was really cool. They supported us throughout the whole like filming period. Uh, they were always sending really encouraging messages. So we knew that we had like a very specific fan base in Brazil who were just loving so hard on the cast, which was really lovely to see. But honestly, I think today the stats came out that, you know, it's been seen by 82 million households. And you know, when we were filming, I don't believe any of us had a, had any idea that that would be the case. Okay, Lizzie, this seems like a no-brainer question, but uh, will you be back for Bridgerton season two? Because I have to assume a bunch more sex is happening. <laughs> have you read the book? I haven't read the book, but my one of my colleagues has, and yes, there's more sex. <laughs> there certainly is. There certainly <laughs> is. Can you give us any insight into that? Is there some sort of sex scene that you're looking forward to choreographing? <laughs> thing is is that you know like i know that they take the books and the tv shows in different directions because not everything that was in the book was in the tv series and not the tv series is in the book um so that's always really exciting because you don't know which pieces that they've taken and which storylines are going to be completely new so um yeah I, i'm really really looking forward to, to what happens there all right. Well, you know, Lizzie, before we go, first of all, I have to say thank you so much. This has really made my week. And also, <laughs> I want to advocate that if you were in the writer's room at all for season two, that the Duke of Hastings should marry me and that I should be coming <laughs> on to Bridgerton season two. So that's it. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much. No, I'm just going to say, I think there's a cue. I think there's a line. <laughs> I bet there, yeah. If my Instagram messages are anything to go by, oh my God. It's mostly turned into like a proxy proposal account for, for reggae at this point. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that man, literally, I had to get water. I had to get water. So, anyway, well, Lizzie, thank you so, so much. Thank you for your work. Thank you for sharing space with us. And thank you for giving us Bridgerton. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. 
That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're talking with BuzzFeed's Nora Dominic about the buzz around season two of Apple TV Plus's Dickinson. And remember, channel your inner Hermione Granger for the Veep's name. It's Kamala, not Kamala. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first. Made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes. Each week, we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, you'll hear hilarious stories like this. Fun that fact. was one of your things too. you brought back from Latvia. Yeah, I brought back because a hoop. all professional <laughs> basketball players. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven foot hoop. Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Lari Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.